Yeah. Well, women are smarter. They have a higher pain threshold and they plan ahead. That's all you need to know. Right now, the first car one lap down is Brad and Joe. I am stupid. I am stupid. Oh, come on. You know what? Ah. I race this hard for last in my life. And with that, welcome to lap 37 of the One Lap Down podcast. I'm yeah. Joe Hutzler alongside Brad Dunn. And uh, we've, we've got... I'm going to keep interrupting you, Joe, with the lap 37. What a, what a, what a milestone for us. I think everybody always celebrates even numbers, but 37 just sounds like a big number. Yeah, uh, it is a big number. Um, we're almost like halfway through the NASCAR numbers list at this point. So we're, get, we're getting up there. We are getting up there. But, <laughs> but joined, joining Joe Hutzler, I'm Brad Dunn. Looking forward to a great episode this week. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, once again, recording late, but that's because our lives are busy and you are important. So we're going to get this done and have a good time doing it. And as we normally do, we begin with our friends across the pond in Formula One. And it's lights out and away we go. Victoire de Pierre This weekend, Formula One was back in action, and for the first time since 1985, they were in the Netherlands at the historic Zandvoort track. Hard to overtake, but it was cool to see banks uh, like they do in NASCAR, and even cooler that all of those smoke bombs were for good reason, as Max Verstappen wins in front of his home crowd. That was wild. I, I want you to like find a way to put Supermax, the song, into the uh, podcast <laughs> and throw into that. You got it. That was that was the fun part. I don't know if you would say the race itself was was the fun part. Not really that exciting of a race as far as overtaking and drama goes. Like when you look at how many red flags we had through the first two practice sessions, I thought for sure that it was just going to be anarchy, just like absolute just craziness on Sunday during the race. But really, we only had about 10 seconds of one yellow flag. Everything outside of that was run really smoothly. Uh, you know, a little bit of shuffling around. Uh, I think Sergio Perez coming in, winning driver of the day, very well earned after having to start from the pit lane and then having a, a uh, flat spot on his tire early on and really just having to work his way up from the back of the field. Uh, that probably provided the most excitement for the day. So before I get your thoughts, you want to kind of go through the top 10 with me? Yeah, please go ahead and read them out. Boom. Uh, my favorite driver sneaking in, barely getting a point for McLaren Lando Norris. Ninth place, Esteban Ocon. An eighth place, getting up there from the pit lane, like we just said, Sergio Perez, getting a few four points for Red Bull. Uh, we got Carlos Sainz in seventh. Sixth place, Fernando Alonso. In fifth place, Charles Leclerc. Fourth place with a great weekend, I think, throughout. Pierre Gasly, maybe one of the most just consistent best drivers of the weekend other than Max Verstappen. Uh, Valtteri Bottas coming in in third. Second place, Lewis Hamilton. And your winner of the Dutch Grand Prix, Max Verstappen. He just looked untouchable, didn't he? 
Yeah, absolutely. Once he was able to keep Lewis behind him going into turn one, it really felt like, uh, you know, it was his to lose. Tough track to overtake. We knew that going in. There eventually were some. Uh, I guess you mentioned Sergio Perez doing a lot of that, which was, you know, was exciting. But I think there was, at least there was some added excitement of seeing someone win at their home track and, and just seeing the elation and the, the rabid way that those uh, fans flock to, to Max. You know, he's a national hero uh, for them. And I was, I was just pleased that we got a competitive lap in. You know, it had been over a month since F1 had made one complete competitive lap. If you go back to August 1st when they were at Hungary. Yeah. Um, and then September 5th, they were, you know, at Zandvoort. So that yep. was, that was nice. That was a good start for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, in my head, I was thinking, should I, should I call this Zandvoort? Cause it was kind of a boring race, mm-hmm. but you know, I think if it was, I think if you got that same race at a place that they race at all the time, it certainly would have felt a lot more boring, but since it was new, that helped it along. Um, and you just have to hope that the new cars next year that are going to be engineered to provide more overtakes will be able to do more of that, um, you know, at Zanvoort next season. You'll love to see somebody try to pass somebody on those banks, you know, similar to NASCAR. That, that would be phenomenal. But these cars are just too big to really make that move. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we saw a couple of things get dicey. I think it was about turn four, that first really high banking turn where everybody was taking the high line in practice and qualifying. And now we had people diving down to the inside, trying to get around there. That, that was, I think they got close to running too wide, like a NASCAR race there a couple of times, but really, uh, you know, really nothing, you know, of note, I feel like, you know, being able to, to really race through that, um, you know, Lando Norris talking about giving uh, Chucko some space and you watch the replay. <laughs> He's covering almost the entire uh, track so it was uh that you know that it was it was interesting i mean we had a great time watching the race joe and i got to watch the race together my family was in town uh so my parents both big max Verstappen fans uh stephanie my fiance her family was in town and so we uh, got them over about halfway through so watching the race was a lot of fun it was great to see max win uh but you know at the same time it was kind of like ah, we, where, where was the drama we wanted some of the drama especially after getting just washed out uh, the week before. So, you know, uh, overall, uh, it tightens things up uh, in the constructors race, Max back in the lead and uh, for the individual championship. And now we go to Monza. Anything else about the weekend that you want to note before we talk about all the other happenings of the F1 world? No, no, I think from the weekend, racing-wise, uh, that would be enough. And speaking of drama, we can talk a little bit about Silly Season before we get to Monza. Silly Season. Are you going to have – is this where you insert, like, really wacky intro song here? To <laughs> it might, if I have time. That's actually that's actually a good point. We should, yeah. we should do that. But. It doesn't feel that silly, though, does it? No, this felt very uh, status quo. I think a lot of us – knew that these moves were going to be made. The Alex Albon thing was a little bit surprising. That would be the only one that surprised me. Everything else made sense. Have you seen anything? So so for people who are trying to get up to date, um, I believe that it had been announced, but Kimi Raikkonen retiring at the end of this year was announced last week. I think it was announced by the time we recorded. Um, so Raikkonen outed out for Romeo. And like the, the news from the weekend, uh, starting off Monday morning, we hear... Valtteri Bottas confirmed to go 
two, Alfa Romeo as our driver. Day later, we get it confirmed George Russell going to Mercedes. And as was hypothesized by a lot of people that are hearing rumors, now we know Alex Albon goes to Williams as their second driver. So really interesting. I agree. I was I was kind of surprised. I was surprised that his name was brought up when they announced it. I'd been seeing it so many places, speculated that I wouldn't surprise. It didn't surprise me. But I mean, I guess you know he does have a skill set, and I don't know. Is this is this Mercedes? trying to pull somebody in from Red Bull or like to get their secrets. I don't know. How does this stuff work, Joe? I'm a uh, that's, that's a fair, that's a fair question. I, I think the secrets part of it might not have as much of an impact because they are changing cars and things are, are switching up a little bit next year. But there was some conversation that because of this Albon, that maybe Mercedes would try to block it because they're the engine manufacturer for Williams. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, it's good for Williams to have an experienced driver. I know George is really good friends with Alex, so he was a, a big believer in bringing Alex on. Uh, I don't know what it does for Williams. I mean, you'd like to think that the rules changes will make them more competitive. And certainly, Alex can drive, and we, we know that. He just doesn't always drive aggressively enough. Um, but this type of car should be more conducive to his skill. You know, it shouldn't be like it has been for most of Max's teammates, really hard to drive. He should be able to pick it up pretty quickly, uh, which is, you know, would be good for him. And, you know, Valtteri Bottas started there and he won, he won a couple races. He finished on the podium. You know, he basically outperformed the equipment and it took him to the top car in the field. So I don't know if Alex has that same trajectory, obviously, but, um, you know, it does open the door for him to, have a second gasp at an F1 career, which is good. And a lot of people don't think he got a fair shake. And I understand that. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's going to be nice for Williams to know they don't have to rely on Latifi, who really is not much of anything except for a piggy bank and then someone unknown. So I think it's good for Williams who's trying to you know, bring back the days of old if they can. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I 100% agree with everything that you were saying there. And, you know, real interesting to see, um, kind of nervous to see George go to Mercedes. I don't know. I, I thought I would be yeah. excited, but I'm just, I'm nervous to see how that's going to shake out. And, um, but at the same time with the, with the, the new cars coming next year, really can't wait to see, you know, Max, Lando, George, Lewis, you know, all of these people that we really like to watch and cheer for all in it, you know, I mean, every weekend being able to really compete. So, yeah. be, and don't forget, you've got your veterans like Fernando Alonso and Seb Vettel still out there. So, interesting. Right. I think it's going to make it really exciting. Yeah, next year is going to be great. It should be closer than it ever has been before. And certainly good for the future of F1 to have young drivers and good equipment instead of in the, in the back all the time. So, um, yeah. yeah, so Bottas to Alpha, George to Mercedes, Albon to Williams, those are the big moves of the week for next season. Uh, this week, we're going to Monza, where last year it was the most unlikely result that you could really think of with Pierre Gasly of AlphaTauri getting the win, uh, his first ever in F1. And uh, like, unlikely enough, that was the last Italian constructor to win because AlphaTauri is based in Italy. And the last Ferrari driver to win anything at all is Sev Vettel. So I don't, I think that's going to continue. I don't think Ferrari is going to have the pace that it takes at Monza, but 
all the talk is that Mercedes is going to be able to bounce back from last week because they have typically been better on high-speed tracks. But I look back at the French Grand Prix, man, Max and, and Sergio were just as fast as Mercedes, so I don't think it's a done deal. No, I don't. I don't think so either. And I think that it's going to be, you know, it it'll be a, a track that is going to be really competitive, and no telling what's going to be the case. I, I think it's going to going to go kind of back to that high drama. Something's going to happen. Somebody's going to collide, um, and I think that somebody's going to seize an opportunity. I, I if I if I had to wager right now, I think I would say. Uh, we see, see we see somebody other than Max or Lewis win this race. I like it. I, I tend to agree with you because it, it just you know it's going to happen at some point. You know that somebody's going to have an issue, um, whether it's tires or running into one another. Um, and this would be this would be the place to do it. This is where things get crazy in F1. Yep. So looking forward to it this weekend. Hope you guys can check it out on ESPN uh, this Sunday morning. All right, speaking of Sundays, we had some NASCAR action the first round of the playoffs this past weekend from Darlington. It's showtime. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's go racing today, boys. The Lady in Black, the track too tough to tame. Darlington Raceway in South Carolina uh, sees action to start the playoffs. And, man, a lot of drama with seven different playoff drivers having issues, whether that be wrecks, spins, pit road problems, uh, needing to come back in, they penalized, whatever it might be. And it has thrown a little bit of a wrench in the point standings so far. Uh, but before we get to standings and results, Kenny Hamlin, he took all year to finally get his first race win. And it comes at the most inopportune or at the most opportune time with the first race of the playoffs. He guarantees his slot in the round of 12. So interesting, you know, Kevin Harvick gets a top five finish too. Maybe these wily old veterans are going to figure it out at the right time. Yeah, well, you know who didn't figure it out this weekend was the entire group of people around Kyle Busch. <laughs> <laughs> no, they definitely nor, did not. No, nor did the cone that he ran over and took almost all the way to the hauler with him. Yeah, and a couple other people that were in the way as well. Um, if, if you're not aware, he was fined $50,000, but no points. So does that really hurt him? No, of course not. 50 grand is nothing. If you really want to lay the hammer down, especially during the playoffs, you got to find somebody points. But maybe they felt sympathy because he did crash and he's already on the outside looking in in 14th place in the points. I don't know. I, I just feel like no matter who it was, when you put people in danger like that and you say that we take safety very seriously, 50 grand is a drop in the bucket for these guys, especially a two-time uh, NASCAR champ. I don't think the the punishment fit the crime uh, based on how they were talking about it. Well, and, and two, it just seemed like it was weird. Like when I watched it happen, it was kind of like, oh, that's that's who everybody's been talking about. I'm like, I finally saw like all uh -huh. really just or you know get really irritated with Kyle Busch or don't like him. I never really understood why, and now it was like, ah, that's the that's the person they've always been talking about. And mm -hmm. you know, worth noting too, Kyle Larson going way around the outside. Uh, trying to get them in there at the end. I mean, that looks like that it very much was a video game maneuver. Uh, and, and, and I like it. I feel like, you know, across all the disciplines of racing that we watch, you, you really don't see somebody just send it like that. You know, you nope. look at, I mean, the photos afterwards, just the streaks just ripping up the right side of the car. I mean, if Denny didn't go up to block him, he would have won. He really would have, like, going into the final lap, it was a weird part of the coverage where, I don't, I don't know if you noticed this, but, like, we were watching the two of them and they kind of cut away. And yeah. They, 
and, and, and Denny had a really sizable lead. They're like, okay, he's not going to cover that in one lap at Darlington. And then he, they cut back, and he's like right there, like ramming up behind him. And good on, good on Kyle Larson too. Like you can tell, he really jams the brakes so that he doesn't wreck any, like you said in the post interview. So I think that's the kind of stuff where you know see what he does to win races and and you know road, road courses, ovals, but then also you know to uh, to do so with some uh, with class like that. You know, it was that was uh, that was wild to see. Um, Interesting. Uh, to me, the biggest question mark of, of the race, though, Joe, I want to get your thoughts on this. Like, where's Chase Elliott? Like, where is, like, what, like, what is his playoff run looking like right now? I mean, we talked about last year. Oh, can anybody upset him in the playoffs? And now I think that I, I still see Kyle Larson as the clear favorite after what, how many races mm-hmm. he's been able to win. But, I mean, are we going to see Chase Elliott in the top four? Is he going to make it that far, especially after getting anything out of Darlington? Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to believe that he will. I mean, certainly they've got the right equipment and the right team behind him, but um, there isn't that same momentum that he picked up going into the playoffs last year. And this is – the first round is only three races. So, I mean, you have a disappointing finish in the first. It really could set you back. I mean, you might get through to twelve the round of 12, but if you're still in 10th, I mean, what's that really do? It just means you've got three more weeks before you're out uh, if you can't figure things out. So I was, I'm really surprised by that as well. Um, Especially just Hendrick in general with who they've had up front all year long. And you still have Kyle Larson up there, but then your next closest Hendrick driver that's in the playoffs is chase in 10th place. Omen and Byron are on the outside right now because of their issues. So, I, I mean, I think it's great for the sport to have, the uh, you've got JGR with Denny and then you got Kyle and Martin and Kurt Busch is up there. I mean, I think that's the best part of it, but it certainly makes you wonder um, how things can change so much in, in the course of one season and in, in one year. Uh, but to be fair, you know, Chase hasn't had a great season overall. And, you know, um, you, you just kind of got to ride, you end up riding whatever momentum you have. Right. And for them, that's just not, it's not positive momentum uh, for them, but you know, one week can change everything. We saw that with Denny. We're seeing that with, with even guys like Kevin Harvick. Uh, mm-hmm. So real quickly, let's run down the top 10 uh, from Darlington this past weekend. Uh, so, of course, some of these drivers are not in the playoffs, but everyone gets to participate in the rest of the season. Uh, no matter what, it's not going to be 16 drivers only uh, Austin Dillon in 10th, Chris Buescher in ninth. So he's finishing the season. Well, for Roush Racing. Joey Logano in eighth place, Brad Keselowski in seventh, Kurt Busch in sixth, with Kevin Harvick in fifth place, Martin Truex in fourth, Ross Chastain, who had a really good car and drove really well, uh, even pushed Kyle Larson there for second place in the last 10 laps. He finishes third with Kyle Larson second. And as we mentioned, Denny Hamlin gets his first win of the season. So he is through to the round of 12 already. Let's take a look at the playoffs with Denny Hamlin in first because of that win. Kyle Larson, is in second, even though he has more points than Denny. It's because Denny has the win that he's uh, not in first. He's in second. Uh, Kyle Larson, that is. Martin Truex Jr. in third. Kurt Busch in fourth. Ryan Blaney in fifth, dropping from second to fifth uh, after having a spin and some brake problems. Joey Logano in sixth. Kevin Harvick, who was 15th coming into the race, is now in seventh place. Brad Keselowski moves up um, into eighth. Christopher Bell ninth. Chase Elliott 10th. Eric Almirola, 11th, and Tyler Reddick, 12th. 
Those are the drivers that are safely in at this moment with two races left in the first round. Alex Bowman, Kyle Busch, William Byron, and Michael McDowell are on the bubble. They're on the outside looking in at this point. So those drivers desperately need a good result this weekend at Richmond International Raceway, uh, which I will be at for both races on Saturday. Should be a good time with the Xfinity race and the Cup race. Dale Jr. is going to be in the Xfinity race, one of five junior motorsports cars. Uh, and I'm very glad that me and my friends bought our tickets before he made his announcement because they were $55 originally. And then when he made his announcement, they went up by a hundred bucks. So Whoa. that was, yeah, he's a, he's still a big name, man. He's still the most popular driver and he's not even racing. So very happy about that. And looking forward to another wild one in uh, the capital city of the uh, Commonwealth. That'll be, that'll be fun. A lot of fun for, for us and really for the playoffs. It's, it's going to be interesting, man. I, I just This is what you need. If you're going to have some type of countdown thing, you need some drama. You need to have some of your, your top drivers in some trouble and see how they can respond um, you know, from that adversity. And we're going to find out. You know, you got Kyle Busch and Alex Bowman back there. They've won at Richmond before. They're good at those type of tracks. It could all change for them in one week's time. So looking forward to it this weekend on NBC for you all and in person for me. Okay, let's get back to some more results from the weekend. We've got to talk about NHRA because they were at their biggest race of the season. The drivers are ready, the fans are packing the stands, and it's time to race. Let's dial it in for some U.S. Nationals conversation in Indianapolis, Indiana. And, you know, this is the Daytona 500, the Super Bowl of NHRA drag racing. It's where it all began uh, back in 1959. That was the first year they had a um, more of a professional class. 55 was the first year uh, that they had more of a sanctioned event. But in the end, it started uh, in Indianapolis Raceway Park. And this weekend, the last race before the countdown, saw Steve Torrance, who's been leading all year long. He gets the victory, his second U.S. Nationals win. Tim Wilkerson with the upset in the final and funny car. He wins his second U.S. Nationals. Erica Enders also winning her second U.S. Nationals in the Pro Stock Division. And then Eddie Krawick in Pro Stock Motorcycles winning multiple times now in Indianapolis in the Bike Division. So here's how the countdown works for those that aren't aware. Uh, they actually started theirs before NASCAR started doing their little bit of a chase uh, thing. So the countdown to championship will begin this weekend at Maple Grove Raceway, which is familiar to your fiance's family up in Reading, Pennsylvania. And there'll be six races to determine the champion. No rounds. It's just based on points. So everything gets reset. Steve Torrance had over 300 points advantage coming in. Now he has a 20-point advantage. So it brings the drama back in for the final races, six races of the season. Uh, and I like that there's no rounds. It's just a straight points race. Uh, and typically it comes down to the final race to determine a champion. So that will be fun. Uh, they've got Reading this week. They've got... Um, Bristol coming up. They've got some some great tracks. If you want to check out the, the schedule, um, go ahead and do that. Really cheap uh, race day tickets for Bristol are 35 bucks, y'all. So if you can't afford that, then maybe you should think about changing your environment because that's as cheap <laughs> as it's going to get. <laughs> uh, so good stuff there from our friends who drive in a straight line. How much is a pit pass? Every ticket is a pit pass. So 35 bucks. There you go. Can't beat it, baby. Can't beat it. All right, let's head into our high side and low side for the week. Remo, we're high 
Every episode, Brad and I go through our highlights and lowlights of the weekend. And as usual, I will begin and I will start with women in racing. And I'm specifically talking about the NHRA. Uh, I've made this point to you before. I think when we were even watching that one race together a little bit, the amount of women that are competing at the top level of the NHRA, not just at the bottom level, trying to and kind of flattening out or plateauing out. Uh, these are women winning races and championships. You know, Erica Enders won the pro stock class uh, for cars, but in pro stock bikes, the uh, Angel Sampe was in the final. In the top fuel class, Brittany Force was in the final. You've got people like um, Karen Stouffer in bikes. You've got Leah Pruitt. You've got uh, back in the day, you had Courtney Force. I mean, there there are tons of women that dominate this sport. Uh, at every level of NHRA, and I love it. I'm, I'm so glad that it is a sport that's attainable uh, and one that gives the best drivers, no matter what their gender is, a chance to go out there and, and win races, you know, and, and win championships. Uh, I wish it was more inclusive in other divisions of racing. I know there's that money is a part of that for sure, but there seems to be a more of an openness as well with the NHRA and I thought that was, it just caught my eye that so many women were fighting for a U.S. Nationals, the biggest race of the year, uh, title, you know, a win. And um, I think that's great for the sport and I hope that it continues and someday maybe it'll seep into more divisions of racing. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's really cool. And, you know, it was switch over, like switching gears a little bit for my high side of the week, but I mean, it, I, it's, it's gotta be like, hometown races like it's it's cool to see like home fans for people it like for for drivers right specifically looking at f1 being in zanport and the dutch grand prix for max like that was insane to see like that huge sea of orange and the smoke bombs and just the noise every time that he would go out on the track and go by the team like it was awesome right and i think too you're looking at, you know, having those things in NASCAR, talking about you going over to Richmond, Danny Hamlin coming off a win. That's got to be really exciting going out over there. And it's something that you didn't really expect to be a thing in motorsports, like having a home track or a home crowd or anything like that. But it exists. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, like I said, Denny racing in Richmond this weekend and looking forward to you know, the the Ferrari fans really showing out uh, there in Monza this weekend as well. I think that that'll be something really that I'll be eager to see, maybe not specifically for a driver, but, you know, having a, a home Grand Prix and having a home playoff NASCAR race and, um, you know, looking ahead to IndyCar too. I don't know if we have any drivers from Portland, Oregon, but, uh, you know, you know, the, some along the way, especially uh, Joseph Newgarden back in Nashville. So it was cool to kind of be reminded of that with how awesome the scene was for Max this weekend. Yeah, I'm with you all on the Tafosi coming back to Monza, man. We've seen so many pictures of of the uh, 2019 when Leclerc won, and just that ah, the scenes were phenomenal. And so it would be really nice to see those stands packed again and. Um, just Ferrari fans. They're not necessarily science or Leclerc fans. They're just Ferrari fans. That would be really cool to see yep. this weekend for sure. All right, let's move to a little bit of the low side here. And, and for me, it's just a, a reminder that COVID-19 still exists when it comes to driver changes. Uh, we saw a couple of weeks ago, Corey LaJoy for NASCAR. He had to sit out a race. Uh, Josh Berry filled in for him. Two weeks in a row now, Kenny Raikkonen sitting out. Robert Kubica is stepping in for him as 
the reserve driver at Alfa Romeo uh, because he's positive with COVID-19. In NHRA, Matt Hagen, who's the points leader uh, going into the, the countdown, he's missing two straight races because of that and having to have someone fill in for him. So it, it's one of those things where we're so thankful. I'm very thankful that racing was the first thing that came back and, and you really have a chance to get back to a sense of normalcy. And it's been fantastic, as you mentioned just a moment ago, to see fans and to have crowd noise when something good happens um, on the racetrack or in the pits or whatever it might be, uh, to have some interaction you know, with, the, with those people. But we have to remember that it's still a serious thing and it still uh, doesn't discriminate and it could really affect things down the stretch, uh, perhaps. And so the drivers need to make sure that, yes, it's good to have fans and the ability to sign stuff and whatever those case, those things might be. But, man, if you're in the playoffs or if you're in a, a tight race, you're just going to have to say no, man. You're going to have to to keep yourself uh, safe so you can continue to be in that car because, you know, not so much with Kimmy or Coy LaJoy, of course, but, you know, with the Matt Hagen thing and, you know, God forbid if somebody in the playoffs for NASCAR has an issue or Max or Lewis – that that just takes away so much of the the allure that comes from these battles and, and, and points uh, points battles and, and championship battles. So that was just something that caught my eye from the weekend with you know, some driver changes uh, because of of COVID nineteen. So gotta gotta remember it's still out there, folks, and and try to be as safe as possible. Yeah, yeah, so it's a tough low side, right? Especially when you see things going on like the the crowd in Zanfort, and you know, I just I don't know how how safe I'd feel in a crowd like that right now in the States. <laughs> you know, I hopefully, uh, hopefully we get to a better place with that. But again, something that's very much out of our control, doing the best that we can within our own decisions. Right. Uh, but mm-hmm. and that hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully it's something where we can continue with, uh, you know, you know, taking care of the drivers and allowing that to rate. It's, it's a shame. I, I think that that's really, that plays into my low side as well as, uh, you know, we have this triple header of, Spa and, and Zandvoort, which is you know, not a classic track, but something that was intriguing with the bank turns and all of that. Uh, and now Monza, and all without Kimi Raikkonen, you know, cheated mm-hmm. out of getting the race at Spa, um, you know, cheated out, you know, you know, and then with COVID protocol, not able to race at the Dutch Grand Prix or at Monza. So eh, that's a bummer. And I, I miss that you know, that's a missed opportunity for him as a driver. And it's not like, uh, you know, we watched the NFL and people get, you know, so that, you know, get sidelined because of COVID protocol, but their team still gets the win. They can move on. And Kimmy's not going to get any points. You know, he's not going to really get himself uh, in a good position. Hopefully the enthusiasm for him continues. I know the fans were going to vote him driver of the day on Sunday. Don't know if that would have still been the case after what we saw Checo do, but, uh, yeah. Well, low side is is three straight races that I don't get to see Kimmy Räikkönen's uh, classic quotes or dry humor or yeah. uh, or classic racing style. Yeah, fingers crossed for Sochi, I guess, because the racing is going to be crap there. So we need something else yep. to get us excited. Well, the checker flag has waved and the car is on the trailer, but we're not ready to leave the track just yet. We do want to let you know that IndyCar is back. Finally, the last three races will begin this Sunday at 3 o'clock on NBC at the Portland Grand Prix. And, man, it's so good to have this tight points battle back. You've got the top five drivers in the points 
all separated by less than 100 points, including Pato Awards lead over Alex Palou, just 10 points with three races to go. And we've got three straight weekends of it, man. No more breaks. This is it. The sprint to the finish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is it. So a lot to look forward to. I know last weekend I talked about looking ahead to it. And uh, now here we are. I'm very excited to see this track. Talking to my dad about it this past weekend. Uh, he grew up close to, to Portland and Salem, Oregon. And uh, it was, he talked about being he's, he's seen that track before and been out there. Not for a race, but... Um, I think it's pretty cool everything that's set up that they have so i'm looking forward to watching that we're looking forward to seeing how this uh, points battle shakes out uh probably the race that i'm most looking forward to this weekend i'm excited for monza excited to watch richmond uh but i think that it's going to be something that uh uh it, it's it's kind of weird it's kind of weird like are you excited for this race too joe like a year ago we barely even covered indycar <laughs> yeah no i think that's what's so weird about it is we've we've grown to Really appreciate. We've talked about so much this year the driving aspect of these cars and um, just the constant drama that goes on throughout the race. So I'm extremely excited for it, especially because there are no time conflicts. You got NASCAR Saturday night, F1 Sunday morning, and then IndyCar Sunday afternoon. Um, hopefully, I don't have too much of a hangover and I can watch IndyCar and <laughs> and have a good time uh, with that as well. But I'm also not going to miss out on the opportunity to tailgate and party my butt off uh, from Richmond either. So just point that out there. If anybody sees me, you know, I'm letting you know ahead of time, I'm going to be enjoying myself. Uh, but something to look forward to Sunday morning and uh, with a little hair of the dog with F1 and IndyCar that night or that afternoon would be, be really cool. So I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm super pumped about it. I love that it's tight uh, within, you know, hundred points of the top five drivers, anything, as we saw the last time they were out, anything could happen. Uh, and that will keep people interested to the end. So super, super pumped for it and uh, super pumped for the whole weekend for sure. Awesome. Well, before we head out, we always have to remind you that you can chat with us throughout the week. You can see what's going on in our brains with uh, best and worst paint schemes and uh, little clips from the show. You can do that on Twitter at One Lap Down Pod. You can also follow us on Facebook and YouTube at One Lap Down Podcast. We'll be back next week on this same platform that you're listening to now with more coverage of the weekend's action. Until then, I'm Joe Hutzler. I'm Brad Dunn. And we'll talk to you later. See ya.